Welcome to Daily Kosa's The Brief, our weekly show about politics. Here, we'll discuss the issues that are driving the news as we fight for a more progressive America. I am Marcos Molitsis, the founder of Daily Kos and your co-host, along with senior political writer Carrie Eleveld. If you want to join the conversation, we record the podcast live on YouTube and Facebook every Tuesday at 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Daily Kos The Brief. It's a weekly show about politics. I'm Marcos Molitsis. I am here with Carrie Eleveld, and we're, we're talking about the run-up to the 2022 midterm election, the most important election in our lifetime, again, but it is. We have so much at stake. Our democracy is very much at stake, and part of that battle is the battle for the Senate. Now, we've been talking a lot about Republican targets, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Florida, North Carolina, but we're also playing defense. And while a lot of people have been talking about, about Georgia and Arizona, where, where obviously we have tight defensive races, not a lot of people are talking about Nevada. I and Nevada like is- got to get short shrift somehow. I don't know why. Just, I'm not sure. So Nevada is, is actually quite interesting. I mean, Donald Trump won, uh, lost it by only uh, what, four points, I think. I mean, it has the feeling of a blue state. You know, we got, we got the, we got both Senate, uh, Senate we got the governorship. It feels like a blue state, but it actually is an incredibly competitive purple state. And so, you know, I was just, I was talking to a, to a Senate part, to a party Senate official. And he was saying that that's probably our most endangered Senate seat. That's uh, the seat of Senator uh, Masto, Cortez Masto. It's very much under the radar. Carrie, you've been looking at some of the polling in that race, haven't you? Well, yeah, and just paying attention to it because, of course, you know, Trump Trump paid a visit there this past weekend on Saturday and held uh, what I would only what what I what I think can only be called a pro sedition rally, right? And right now, you know, when you look at the polling, and I have to say, one thing anybody knows anything about polling knows about Nevada, it is is that it is notoriously difficult to poll anyway but the polling why 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 mostly because my understanding my like kind of you know amateur understanding is that latino vote is very important in terms of shifting which way that state's going to go and latino voters are extremely difficult to to poll and most polling just polling firms miss over them and don't have Spanish language polling. And, you know, I mean, there's a whole host of reasons, but I think that is that. That's about right. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's it. It's the difficulty in polling the, the, the Latino community and bilingual polling is, is uh, difficult and most pollsters won't do that. So it actually is uh, it's an incredibly difficult state to poll And, and polls are often wrong in the Democrats' direction. So what, what, what this official told me is that party polling has Cortez Masto down by about two points. Now, it's a very complicated state to poll, not just because of the Spanish language issue, but also because unlike any other state in the country, Nevada has a none of the above option in the ballot. And that has a way to kind of make the kind of screw up polling results because it gives people who really, you know, are, are sort of those political nihilists, gives them a, a something to vote for that is more honest of their true, you know, beliefs than actually being forced to vote for one of the, you know, for the Democrat or the Republican. There's also a bunch of extra candidates on the ballot. So it's an, it's actually a difficult 
ballot to poll, even if you don't talk about the Spanish language, Spanish language issue. So it's actually kind of interesting that uh, this party official talked about how Cortez Masto is actually down a couple points, yet he was less worried about Nevada than he is about some of the other states. Yeah, let me just let's just get a recent historical, um, you know, example here is former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, who was in 2010, everybody pollsters left him for dead, just expected him to lose. And then he ended up winning by six points. And the main thing was, is that most pollsters didn't expect Latinos to play heavily. I think they turned out at a rate of, of about 16% of voters that year. And they account, at the time, they accounted for about 12% of the, of the population. So they overperformed. Harry Reid won, and Harry Reid was very explicit about Latino voters, you know, really, really making that happen. So, but, you know, now we've got, so we've got the party polling, Democratic party polling sounds like has, has Catherine Cortez Masto down by two points, 538 aggregate has her down by about one and a half points. But, you know, really it's in the range of like, who knows, like anything could happen. You know, that's, that's where we are. And I'll just add this one other thing before we bring in our real expert here which is Trump came to the state last Saturday and, you know, like I said, held this pro-sedition rally. But one of his great quotes met off, you know, the, the videos all over the place is him saying, you know what the biggest crowd I've ever seen is? The biggest crowd I've ever seen is in January 6th. You know, like um, that was no one ever talks about that. So I don't know how that compares <laughs> to his to his breathtaking crowd during inauguration. Apparently that has shrunk in, com in comparison because the January 6th crowd was crazy big. Um, and they're not Antifa anymore. So we, we, they're we've, not Antifa. we've given up on Antifa January 6th. Nope, nope. So anyway, but, you know, here he is like glorifying the ins insurrectionists. Um, it's just like I, I, Catherine Cortez Mastow tweeted out, between Saturday and Sunday, I think nine tweets linking, you know, playing up this relationship between Adam Laxalt, her her GOP challenger, and uh, and Donald Trump, and January sixth. And she also turned in, you know, it, she said she had her two best. Her campaign had her two best days of fundraising, pulling in about a million dollars online over those two days. It was the two best days of the cycle. So let's let's ask let's get our, our real guest, our real expert in and ask what kind of practical effect he thinks that might may or may not have on the ground. Yeah, our guest is actually, it's kind of exciting because we talk about the, you know, one and a half to two points within, you said within the, the, the margin of uh, anything can happen. It's actually also within the margin of the field operation. So today's guest is actually the guy who's in charge of Unite Here, the, the labor union Unite Here's Western Regional Political Director and National Field Director. And he is uh, Mario Yadidia. And Mario, thank you so much for joining us. And I just want to, when I talk about this party official I was discussing, I was discussing the Nevada race. He said that the best field operation in the country was Nevada. And the second best was Pennsylvania. And Mario, you're like, you guys are active in both those states, aren't you? This, it is the best field organization because of your work, isn't it? We're doing what we can to knock as many doors as we can to talk to as many voters. And it's true that we're the largest uh, IEs uh, knocking doors for Democrats, both in the U.S. Senate side and uh, the gubernatorial side in both those states. The stakes are really high for all of us, especially for hospitality workers, which is why we're throwing down Marcos. 
And <laughs> Terry, somebody... <laughs> you know, as we were talking about in the intro, uh, the polling shows Senator Cortez Masto, you know, one or two points down. We talked about how it's a very, it's a crowded ballot. It has none of the above. It's hard to poll Latinos, all of that stuff. So you probably have probably the best insight into the actual state of the race. How do you see it right now? What are the dynamics and how, how are our chances? Yeah. I mean, I think that the thing you have to start with when you're talking to voters in Nevada, and this is certainly true for the Latinos whom you and Carrie spoke about in the intro, and also for white, African-American, Asian-American, uh, and other racial groups of voters, is the state of the housing crisis in Nevada. Oh, so when we knock doors and talk to people, the fact that rent is up over 30% year over year in the Las Vegas Valley, which is home to about 2 million people, and up 22% in Reno in the north, which is home to half a million people, uh, is just difficult to overstate the importance of that for the voters whom we're talking with. Um, so when we open conversations, uh, that's what we're talking to people about. That's what people care about is the cost of housing. Uh, of rent in particular. You know, that and the the reality of, of gas prices in Nevada today, they're $5.40. That's extraordinarily challenging. And so we are taking on head on, Marcos and Kerry, the reality of the, you know, the 600 pound gorilla that is the economy. We have to, we have to talk with voters about that. Um, just as much as we have to talk with them about Dobbs and the importance to protect the right to abortion and other social issues. But it really starts and ends I'd say with the economic for us. So that that seems like a challenging environment to take on. I mean, inflation is the thing that a lot of Democrats are, you know, are having are struggling talking about. What what are you I mean, what are you telling voters and do they think do they feel like Democrats are on their side? Do they feel like Democrats have been tried to be responsive with trying to bring, you know, just the cost of living down for them or do they feel overlooked? Yeah, Carrie, I think that voters are compelled by our vision. And what we say to them is we, the Culinary Workers Union, and so we represent 60,000 hotel guest room attendants. Those are housekeepers, bartenders, dishwashers, cooks, porters, people who do front and back of the house work on the Las Vegas Strip, downtown, and in Reno. We also represent people who work at the stadiums, you know, and laundries. We have a plan to deal with the reality of out of control rents. We call it neighborhood stability. And we have a policy that would uh, prohibit landlords uh, from raising the rent in the first year of a tenancy, from raising rent faster than say social security or inflation, or maybe cap it at 5%. And the fact that US Senator Kathleen Cortez Masto and the incumbent governor, Steve Sisolak, and I must say our down ballot congressional candidates, all three Las Vegas congressional seats, one, three, and four, that's Horsford, Titus, and Lee, are all Cook certified report political toss-ups. They have been all year. I guess they might have moved CD4 into the lean D column maybe four days ago. These are extraordinarily close races. But the fact that all those candidates I just named support neighborhood stability, support the policy that I just mentioned. You know, the governor was there at our rally when we launched this can, uh, campaign to deal with rents is clear to voters. I don't think people think that, you know, Adam Laxalt, our chief opponent, who, you know, is a proponent of Trump's big lie, who was his legal counsel in 2020 in the state of Nevada when Trump was pursuing these fraudulent claims about the election and has since 
you know, done work uh, with a lobbying firm and supported the oil and gas industries, personally invested in drug companies. I don't think voters feel like Republicans are going to do anything about high prices or take on the reality of concentrated corporate power that is making people's lives so hard. And that is the reason that gas prices and gas and groceries and rent have gone up, Carrie. We got a fighting shot, Carrie. Absolutely. <laughs> no question we have a fighting shot here. Yeah, yeah. Can I just ask, is that is the the neighborhood stability uh, stability uh, measure? Is that is that a is it a state level measure or is something you're pushing at the federal level? It's something that we're pursuing at the county level in both county. Clark and Washoe mm-hmm. counties. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. We initially contemplated pursuing a ballot measure in a city uh, in uh, the Las Vegas Valley about it. But this will be a county measure. Yeah. So Republicans are, you know, they've got his national message that you know the biden inflation national message the gas prices are all biden's fault in most everywhere we've looked at the 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 democrats are also working on a sort of national platform right it's 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 um obviously abortion the dobbs decision is a big part of that as well as now we have student debt relief, we have marijuana legalization efforts. Like there's these national issues. You're the first person we've talked to that's really has like a very hyper local issue. And, you know, your argument is that that is actually driving the election. And that's actually kind of fascinating. And I'm curious to, if you have a sense of, you know, if you were to, are these national issues just less important because uh, of the housing price issue? Is there something else that makes that housing issue that potent or that important in a way that uh, that local issues no longer seem to play in national elections? I wouldn't overstate. I'm not sure I would think about it in terms of uh, national issues being less important. I think what I'd say is when you talk to a voter and when working families think about the reality of getting to work next week and paying the rent next month, the biggest piece of people's budget is housing and gas and groceries. And those three fundamental line items on the checkbook are in a climate like this, the most compelling things. And when you have a housekeeper, a dishwasher, a bartender, a cook knocking on your door saying, hey, look, I'm out here in 103 degrees because (laughs) this election is about the future of my life and my family and your life and your future and your children's future, we start with those bread and butter pocketbook issues because they're extraordinarily important. Marcos, I have to say, and Carrie, we do talk about the need to protect people's right to a free and fair abortion. Um, People, voters are aware of Dobbs, certainly. And you can't turn on a sporting event or the local news in a place like Las Vegas. I'm talking to you live and direct from Congressional District 4, right, here in Las Vegas, uh, without being inundated with ads that have all the national narratives you spoke to. So I think those are on people's minds, certainly. But it starts and ends for us because of who we are and because of what voters care about with the economy. Do Republicans have anything approaching the ground game that you've got going there, do you you think? It's difficult to, uh, to say. What I would say is we shouldn't undercount the work that they do and have done. Certainly in 2020, Carrie, when we started knocking on doors and we were the 
the biggest political operation in the state. We knocked on 650,000 post-primary doors in the state Goodness. of Nevada. That's um, a lot. We're rapid. We, we've exceeded 500,000 in the last two months, I'll say. And we're going to do twice that this year. We've been quite open about it. That's public. We're going to knock on a million doors. We have 343 people statewide doing the work in Vegas and Reno right now. I will say that two years ago, when we started knocking on doors in August, Republicans were already out there. We saw the Trump lit on the doors. We saw canvassers doing their thing. So I don't think that we should discount the ability and the reality of, of the Republican ground game. We certainly you know, are known for having the biggest, biggest canvas program in Nevada. We also have one, Marcos, as you mentioned, that is the biggest program in Pennsylvania. And we're going to be bigger than ever before this year. So you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that your famous <laughs> national best in class field operation of 2020 is going to almost double in size this year in a midterm election? Yeah, not even almost. We are doing twice as many doors in Nevada as we've ever done because we knew Marcos and Kerry that the climate was this challenging because we need to do it in order to win. And I think that people need to know that victory is possible in Nevada, but we need everyone to pitch in. Holy shit. No, (laughs) that's impressive. Yeah. In in 2020, I did, um, uh, this is kind of full disclosure, but I mean, it's not like anybody here thinks I'm voting for Republicans, but, I, but I, uh, I did some calling with, uh, with the Unite Here operation. So I, I don't know, I can't remember how many people I called, um, but just cold calling people on the phone. And I assume you guys have something going like that this year too. I, I don't we know. Do. We sure. have a fully bilingual Spanish English program and We certainly also are communicating with people in all the other ways that people get their information. And we we fundamentally think, though, Carrie, that it is the door-to-door conversation. It is the face-to-face meeting of two human beings that can be the difference and that is the most motivating in, as you guys said, really succinctly and crisply in this intro, a low-margin race where field can be the difference. That's Nevada. Nevada has this really unique and interesting none-of-the-above option in ballots. How does that affect races and how, how does that make it hard to pull a race? I, I mean, I've heard this multiple times, but nobody's really fully explained why that complicates poll results, polling of, of the race. It's none of the above option that only exists in Nevada. It's true. It's a good question, Marcos. The none of the above option is unique to our state. It works out differently in different years. If one totals the third party votes, say, in the presidential in 2016 and the none of the above option, you know, Hillary won this state by 2.4 points. But the difference was exceeded by those none of the above and third party options. However, in 2020, Biden won this state by 2.3 points, so a tenth of a point worse. But those third party and none of the above options would not have exceeded the difference. So it's a great question, Marcos, but I think it's maybe one that I don't know the answer to. Who who knows? (laughs) So it's truly, it's a wild card. Like it's legit. When people say, we don't know what it means. Like you who run the field operation and are most informed about how that impacts the race, you, even you can say, or even you're saying it's a wild card. In general, we are talking to voters who, you know, to your earlier point about 
the challenges in some people say polling Latinos, other people say reaching people in general on the phones. You know, Nevada is an extraordinarily transient state. 40% of everyone who cast a ballot here in 2020 had never voted in the state before. That's the highest proportion crazy. of any state in the country. Um, wow. Las Vegas has always been a boom town, a transitional place where people come because of the economy. I think that the challenges in, in understanding how the none of the above works are, are real and interesting to understand. But in general, we're talking to voters who, if we talk to them about our issues and make clear the stakes of the election and where Catherine Cortez Masto and Governor Sisolak stand, we'll vote our way. So there's a lot of talk about 2022 engagement starting to approach 2020 presidential year levels. How are you feeling about, what's the response look like? How are you feeling turnout might look like and how does it compare to 2020? Are we looking at 2020 comparisons, you know, where everybody turns out or are we still struggling with getting our people motivated more like a, you know, a historical midterm where the party in power lacks in uh, intensity? I think there is excitement, energy and interest in this election. People are getting ready to understand the stakes and cast their ballots. We have universal mail balloting here. So the statutory deadline sometime next week, ballots must be mailed by county registrars to voters. We have in-person early vote on top of that, a second mode of voting, where from Saturday, October 22nd through Friday, November 4th, a full two weeks, there are multiple polling locations that different counties set up where you can go and cast your ballot in person for two whole weeks before election day. And then, of course, there's also election day poll voting. So I think giving voters all of those options to vote and understanding the real stakes, especially in a door-to-door way, Marcos and Kerry, again, of course, I will come back to this. I think that the amount of stimuli so many voters receive on, on YouTube and radio and television makes it easy to, um, to be dispirited about politics, right? But I think if you get a door knock from a housekeeper from a casino in downtown or the Strip Las Vegas, it's a different kind of conversation. Uh, and it's a different level of motivation. And yeah, in, in short, I think that we're in an era, some people have argued that you know, turnout is, is generally higher. We're certainly expecting turnout to be robust. And meaningful wow. in Nevada. Wow. You know, what? just real quick, since Trump was just there, yeah. do you think he has any sort of practical effect on the ground? I mean, is he, does he help gin up the anti-Trump vote? Does he, do, does he potentially help really, you know, push the, the pro-MAGA vote in, you know, among rural, rural voters? I mean, I just question. wonder if you have any sense of that. He certainly seems to be motivating for Republicans. That seems true. You know, again, in 2016, Nevada was the one battleground state by many people's, you know, metrics and categories where we beat Trump in 2016. We also beat him here in 2020. So we know that Nevada voters uh, ultimately reject that MAGA worldview. And so, yeah, when we talk to voters, it's certainly motivating to turn out against a fundamentally MAGA point of view. And look, our opponents are trying to have it both ways, right? The uh, gubernatorial nominee, Joe Lombardo for the Republicans, you know, on the one hand calls Trump a sound president, but in that rally, Carrie, that you mentioned two days ago in the rural northern Nevada site of the Trump, uh, I think you called it a sedition rally. You know, he, he 
boasted about Trump being the most superlative president in history. So they want to have it both ways. And I don't think they're entirely sure how he plays, but I know they know that he lost by 2.4 and 2.3 points. In a lot of places around the country, the battleground has become suburban college educated voters, mostly white women, but even we're starting to finally see some movement with white college educated men. Will they actually vote Democrat this year? I'd be shocked that they did, but they're starting to have doubts. So the long-term prognosis is, is quite fascinating. Does Nevada have sort of those same dynamics? Are the Vegas suburbs a battleground or is it, you know, is it more of a blue collar, you know, union worker vote versus rural Nevada? In general, I'd say the latter, Marcos. In general, Nevada is an extraordinarily working class place. Um, and um, both white and Latino voters, uh, many of the voters whom we're speaking to are non-college educated by and large. So the, I think political professionals would suggest that the kind of coalition that you're talking about, Marcos, just looks different in Nevada. Yeah. yeah in general, we're talking to working class voters who what union or non-union are not the college educated kind of new coalition who you're describing. That said, there are plenty of people with secondary education of some kind in our universe who we talk to every day. And so it's complicated. But in general, if you were going to paint, paint the picture, I think Nevada's a bit unique in that way, right? We're definitely yeah. talking about in a lot of ways. Place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Carrie, we have time for one more question. You got it? I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I want to make sure we give uh, Mario a chance to, to tell people how to get involved. If, if, uh, but do you have something? No, that's actually really what I would love to give Mario a chance to do is how can people be involved? I know for one is, is a lot of my friends here in California, they, they cross the border, right? There's, there's not a lot of exciting races in California outside of Orange County. So there's a lot of opportunity to, to head on over, but to Reno down to the Vegas area, if you're in SoCal, Mario, you tell us and our listeners what they can do to help in this critically important race. Uh, and as you say, not just in the battle for the Senate, but also in all those battleground toss-up house races, because the house is just as much, as much a battleground this year. So I'd plug three different things. The first is for people who want to spend the final three weeks of this election doing the most effective thing in a low margin race. And I have to say about Pennsylvania, I know that this is a Nevada program, Terry and Marcos, but no, it's fine. that Pennsylvania race is much closer than the Fetterman Oz polls would lead us to believe. Oz is not gonna stay in the high 70s with Republicans. The race has been tightening in a number of public polls that we've all seen on 538 and Real Clear Politics. But for people who want to and are able to do the most effective thing, which is do door-to-door -door canvassing, Go to unitehere.org backslash power. We are interviewing people who would consider doing Canvas work with us. We're um, an extraordinarily rigorous and disciplined organization where you get the kind of training and political education and ability to have the conversation face-to-face -face with voters in a structured way. So if you are able to do it for the final three weeks, I'd plug unitehere.org backslash power. For those people, Marcos, who are proximate to Nevada, maybe you're a Californian like you mentioned, um, who want to volunteer, seedthevote.org is the organization we are partnering with to help bring volunteers to our Reno operation. And then finally, the hospitality workers, we were 98% laid off two years ago. So we were able to knock on those 4.6 million doors. And like you said, Marcos, 
We're doing twice as much in Nevada and twice as much in Pennsylvania, three times actually than we did then. We're still raising money to pay our canvassers. And so I can throw our Axe Blue pack link in the chat too. But the most important thing is to knock on door is to do something. Knock on those doors for a weekend, for three weeks, or share your cash. Thank you both so much for having us. Of course. So Mario, thank you so much. Uniteheer.org backslash power. And see the vote dot org or dot com. Dot org backslash sign up. See the vote dot org slash sign up. Sign up. Yes, got, got it. it. Okay. Mario, okay. thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for all the incredible work that you do and best of luck. I know you guys are gonna be a big part of the reason that we win in down to four weeks. So so Jeez. thanks so much for everything that you do. Really appreciate it. No, thanks for your time, both of you. Thanks for all you do. Si se puede. Bye now. Si se puede. Carrie, it's it's the conventional wisdom is that a ground or ground game can make up about a three to four point difference in the final result. That is sort of the political science 101 conventional wisdom. For a race that's, you know, one and a half to two points, it is literally within the margin of the ground game. And Pennsylvania, if the ground game is kicking and it sounds like it is, maybe it'll keep it out of that, <laughs> out yeah. of that realm of possibility, right? So, right. but I, I have also heard that the Pennsylvania Senate race is tightening. One of the reasons that you had sort of those big margins where Fetterman was beating Dr. Oz by a lot of points was because Dr. Oz had terrible numbers with Republicans. You expect them to come home. They're In the end, home. they're going to they're gonna be like, you know what? We don't like him, but we like, we like Democrats even less. And uh, so they'll, they'll hold their nose and they'll vote. So this is really, when you look at Democrats, these, those evil democracy lovers, it's horrible. I mean, they want to help people. I, I mean, it, it, it's the worst. <laughs> They're trying to figure out how to make people, you know, make life more livable in this uh, inflationary environment. They're trying to, they're, they're creating jobs. It's horrific. Anyway, sorry. No, there's lots of reasons to be really scared of a democratic administration. So, <laughs> and Donald Trump makes a great, I mean, he doesn't really make a great case, Donald. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, it's, I mean, it really is puzzling. But, you know, like, like we, we talked about, you have college educated women or, or you know, they, they've been flirting back and forth. They, they want to abandon the Republican Party, but they're sort of held back by historical voting trends. Uh, there's research, I've mentioned this before, there's research that shows that changing a political affiliation is feels, physically feels like losing a limb. You know, just accepting that you've been wrong for so many years is, is a really tough psychological step to take. So that's why a lot of people become independent for a while, right? That's, so you're not really abandoning, you know, your party. You're, you're just independent now and you may vote the other direction for a while. But this is why all those Southern Dixiecrats still have Democratic registrations, right? They'll vote right. Republican for everything, but they're on paper, they're still Democrats. So this is, this is a situation. That's why when I see polling, Carrie, that, that has college-educated suburban white men starting to have doubts, this is, this is a long-term interesting phenomenon. I doubt that they will vote Democratic this time. It takes a lot to get there, but there's that doubt, that seed is there. And maybe by 2024, it's, it's 
or maybe by 2026. It took me, I was a Republican. I've talked, I've written, talked about this. I used to be a Republican when I was younger. <laughs> I always forget it, that. <laughs> it took me like three cycles, like six years to go from voting Republican to finally say like, okay, I'm a, I'm a Democrat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's a process, but it's starting. And you've definitely been writing about how independent men are starting to have those doubts. And it's, it's, it's a fascinating phenomenon, finally. Yeah. Independent men and independent women. I just, I'll say, I was looking, you know, I mean, when you look at civics tracking poll on Donald Trump's favorable. And this is civics with a Q.com. You can go look yes, for yourself. Civics, civics.com uh, with a Q. And they, the favorability rating for Trump was kind of like hovering between 40 and 43% for like his entire presidency along with the aftermath of his presidency up until just the past month or so after the FBI executed its search on his Mar-a-Lago residence for the, for the sensitive documents, the, the nuclear codes, you know, um, how, to, how to build nukes cheap, you know, whatever, I, something horrible that we don't want out there. So anyway, but now he's down at 37% favorables. It's the first time he's dropped that low since just before he was elected in 2016. So a very long time. The The fact that there's a shift is notable because it was kind of like the same for the longest time. And independent men are now, he's underwater with independent men by 20 points. He's underwater with independent women by 30 points. He has basically suffered his, his, his entire, you know, decline is caused by independence. I just think it's fascinating. We don't know what that means for the Republican Party and Republican candidates this term, this term, but it certainly can't help them. And I do wonder what's going to happen in Nevada, because um, you're talking about college educated folks and, you know, reconsidering. Right. What we're hearing from Mario was that the that it's really it's really going to have to be it's a it's a working class state. It's a what? It's a transient, transient state, state too. Transient state. So that's got just a whole different dynamic. I don't think the suburbs are going to play as heavily in Nevada. Nope. Um, so that ground game is just going to be key there. But, you know, it will play, it can play, and I think will play the suburbs in Pennsylvania. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is, we're down to four weeks. This is the time for everybody to start thinking about ways they can help Democrats win this election. We're almost out of time here. So let's just really remind everybody that, that we don't win this election with everybody sitting at home looking at polls. This is, this is the time to really find what your thing is going to be. It doesn't have to be Nevada. It doesn't have to be Pennsylvania. It could be your backyard. It, it's, but it is time to really think about what you're going to do to help Democrats get through. Dailycoast.com backslash GOTV. And we, we, we don't do our own GOTV. We partner with everybody doing great stuff like Unite Here. And so go to dailycoast.com backslash GOTV to find what you can do, whether it's writing letters, whether it's making phone calls, whether it's knocking on doors, it's whether it's in your backyard because you have some competitive races or a candidate that you love in your own neighborhood, or whether it's finding a neighboring state that has a competitive election. You know, it could be Nevada, Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Ohio, Wisconsin, Florida, Georgia. I think I got them all. States that have really competitive. It's also realizing that, yes, the Senate is important. Yes, the House is important. But is there a secretary of state? 
is there an attorney general race in nearby, either in your state or neighboring state? Because they may decide who wins the 2024 election. You have election deniers in key states that are running on a platform of invalidating the popular vote in 2024. Our democracy is on the line. Daily Coast backslash dailycoast.com backslash GOTV or unitehere.org backslash power or what was the last one? See the, See the vote. vote.org backslash sign up. Sign up. There are so many ways for you to get involved. So please, please, please do so. Let me just this, add real quick. One, okay. Vote early. Vote early. Okay. Vote early. Do mail-in or uh, get to the polls early. Go ahead and register your vote before it's election day. Get friends to the polls. And it, listen, if it's a city council seat or, or contest that really floats your boat, do that. Like anything you can contribute in terms of getting people out to vote matters for the whole state. So it's, you know, it, it builds on itself. So if you yeah, if, if mean hyper local is your thing, do the hyper local. That's just as good. There's no wrong way to be involved. And, and just to really underscore what Carrie said, voting early might be the single most important thing you can do because then you're off those GOTV lists and some volunteer is not going to waste time calling you, bothering you, sure, but that's time that could be actually spent calling, knocking on the door that is undecided or hadn't realized the importance of this election and hadn't even just thought about voting. So, so much you can do and it's time for us to do it four weeks out. It, this is it. This is crunch time. Carrie, thank you so much. As always, such a pleasure doing this show with you. Thanks to Walter for producing. Thanks to Kara and Paul and Dorothy for all the stuff, all the work they do behind the scenes. And thank you, our listener, for joining us and being part of this movement to reclaim our country from the grips of MAGA nation and to save our democracy. You are doing God's work. I am so proud to be fighting hand in hand with you guys. So thanks so much. Appreciate your time. Talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, give us a rating wherever you get your podcast. You can always talk to us at dailycoast.com or on Twitter at Daily Coast. See you next week.